you know, every once in a while, every couple hours, I think, is this going to, is this going to wind up killing me? Uh, you know, and I, I don't love that. I don't love those thoughts. And then I have another double Woodford and then I forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello and welcome to episode 295 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I am Stephen Seagraves, joined today by Seth Miller and a special guest, Michael Traeger of Travel Zork and the Travel Zork, uh, the Zork cast and the Travel Zork YouTube page. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I am. I am great. It is a rainy day in the Pacific Northwest, so... <laughs> Typical. It's normal. Yeah, it's a normal day. <laughs> it is. It is a glorious sunny day in Las Vegas, but I think they only have sunny days this time of year. But it's, uh, <laughs> the, the the sunshine is is a little bit overwhelming coming from London. Though London's been very sunny lately, but something about the Vegas sunshine is just amazing. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the big story that ha- having you on the show is you just. You traveled from London uh, this past week uh, to Vegas for the reopening of Vegas, and you're going to give us a breakdown of uh, that travel experience and just kind of walk us through what the experience was like and uh, the ups and downs of traveling during this this pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's been a very interesting trip, a trip I was a little bit more worried about than I probably should have been, but uh, everything went really well, but super, super interesting, so especially if you're an airport and aviation geek kind of guy. So, I mean, train travel to Heathrow, is that still going on? Is it you have to take a cab? What, what's the story? So you can you can still take public transportation uh, in okay. to Heathrow. This was my idea behind this, which uh, I, I probably might modify a little bit. But my thought was I'm I was tr- I'm trying to interact with as few people as I can while traveling. So I took a I'm only 35 minutes door to door to uh, I'm in Northwest London to Heathrow. So I took a I took a wheelie which uh, is is basically it's like Uber but it's it's better than Uber. And the drivers have masks on and they have hand sanitizer and everything. I didn't really I, I felt like I, I I'm not really ready for London public transportation yet to tell you to tell you honestly and as you've probably heard uh, London is going to require uh, masks on public transportation starting on Monday. Okay. I don't know. So I I took a wheelie. I got to Heathrow a little bit earlier just because I figured what the heck and I pull up at T5 and anyone familiar with T5 knows it is a bustling terminal. Well, literally no cars, no people, nothing, just barren. And I have a whole bunch of pictures to go along with the story, which uh, you'll be able to tell people where to find as soon as I get them all, um, get them all online. So that was the first thing. So I got out of the car and I literally just stood outside for, worried you're in the wrong place. <laughs> and and literally and the only people that ever passed me were security people who were just walking the grounds. And then uh, I saw one other person and then I saw, you know, some pilots and flight attendants uh, outside. And so then I go I usually go straight to the south end, which is where first wing is. I was sort of a little bit more in the center. So I so I entered Heathrow. When you enter Heathrow, Heathrow Airport requires masks and they are very clear about their signage on all of that. So I put on my super duper uh Arium uh Swedish mask and I just started walking around and and it it was amazing, you know, just seeing, you know, all the seating, they have those signs on, you know, don't sit here, don't sit here so that you could social social distance. Of course, there's nobody really in the airport, like really, you know, <laughs> a, few, a person here, a person there. And then I finally, I was walking towards first wing because I was sort of curious if there was going to be a premium check-in area. And lo and behold, and I mean, literally like nobody checking, <laughs> it's crazy, like nobody checking in. I found they set up a first class check a check-in counter. So not first, first wing, they set up a first class check-in counter. And you know how they have, all, you have all the those line ropes and everything, mm-hmm. but there's nobody. Like there's just nobody. So I went all the way to the front, and I there were two people checking in. Not another passenger came by to check in the whole time I was there. Didn't take very long. Uh, the employees, the BA employees, were wearing masks, and they have plastic shields up. And she asked me for my passport. She scanned my passport, and we chatted for a moment or two, and that was it. No, no questions about about anything health wise or, or anything like that. You know, I had a US passport. I don't know how familiar you are right now, but British British passports can't come to the United States. So it's only I mean, I think most people can't come to the United States unless they're US passports. So then I 
I proceeded to uh, fast track, which just happened to be there. Nobody at security got went right through really, really quickly. I think they. Uh, I couldn't, you know, I can't tell if they're doing stuff for social distancing because there are no people around. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little hard, you know, usually like you can tell there's social distancing, you know, because they have those little places to stand and everything. But when there's no one around, you don't really notice it. Got through, uh, got through security really quickly. I think they had to swap something, but it was no problem. You know, easiest security, get out of security. And I'm, out, I'm on that south end, which is where that, uh, that door for the Concord room is. Uh, that you could use before first wing that you could use. And they have a sign on there saying the British Airways lounges are closed and they've removed the Concord room sign. And I just sort of looked, looked over uh, where the Louis Vuitton store is and the center area where you take the, the tram kind of train to the terminals. And there's not a person to be seen, nobody sitting there, just empty, 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 empty. And all that's open for stores is a Boots, which is like a drugstore and WH Smith bookstore, two stores, and they're both in T5A, and that's it. So you have two individual stores open, duty freeze closed, all shopping's closed. So two stores open, and pretty much so, uh, I saw one or two people, <laughs> and I took some you know I took some pictures. There was a there was a flight to uh, to Bali, which was a BA flight number with a nine, so that must be a repatriation flight that day. There was a Boston flight later in the afternoon. There was my Los Angeles flight, but it was crazy. And then I went I, I went down the escalator and I went to the area, and then I went down the other escalator where you uh, oh that's the other thing that freaks you out is like the escalators are stopped. You think they're broken? It's like no because they have that energy saving stuff. When you step on the escalator, it starts mm. working. But wow. the airport's always so busy. The escalators are always moving. <laughs> I, so I was like, wow, the escalator's not working down here. And I stepped on it. It starts moving. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> So you, you mentioned that there's only concessions or the shops are only open in T5A. Are flights going out of T5B still? Or is everything out of A because it's so consolidated? No, my flight was leaving out of T5B. And one of my friends so weird. joked with me. I think it was Gilbert of God Save the Points joked with me. And he said, yeah, they still need to make your life difficult and make you go to T5B. Even though the entire airport is empty, let's make them go to T5B. I think C is closed, by the way. Yeah, and I know it's part part of it is just where they have wide body gates versus not. But yes, no, no, that's part of it. But it's just like sort of a joke. It's like you guys have five, like five flights leaving today, and of course I have to go over to B. <laughs> which, which even if everything is open, has crap concessions available. But with everything closed, it's got nothing. Like that's really challenging for a passenger. And I and down waiting for the, you know, waiting for the tram and the security check they do on the tram. What was so eerie is there was one other guy, I think, that got on on the other end of the the tram and I got on my end and I was in a compartment with not a single person. Hmm. So I'm at T5 going from T5A to T5B without a single person on that train. (laughs) That would be that'd be really bizarre, like just a strange feeling. Yeah, it's just, you know, like you, you blink for a second and you're like, where am I? You know, mm. like what isn't, and this isn't like even when it's like early morning hours, you know, kind of thing. This is like Big departure bank. Yeah, it was crazy. As as it is. <laughs> how do you, how do you, I mean, so you said that there's only two places open. Was there, was there any food open? Like any, any chance to buy a meal? Well, at Boots, they had uh, sandwiches. So they had uh, – and they have these little uh, Starbucks lattes in cups that you can buy, which I hadn't had before. So I grabbed one of the Starbucks lattes. I grabbed two Evian waters because I wanted to have extra water. And I, I knew that, I knew what the, I was getting into with the meal service. But you know what? I knew I was going to Vegas and I'd be eating really well. And it's not – you know, it is sort of interesting to me when people talk about flights and obsessions with meals and food service. And I, I, I fall into that sometimes. I mean, quite honestly, many, many days, I, I sometimes, you know, have a very minor thing to eat, you know, late in the morning and I don't eat till at night. I go many hours without a meal. So I, it doesn't really, it's, it's not a big deal for me. So I didn't want to buy it. None of the sandwiches looked that appetizing to me. So uh, I, I just decided, hey, and I wanted to have the experience of what the in-flight was, right? I mean, I, I knew what I was, I knew what I was getting into. Now, I'll give you a couple. One thing BA did really well is communication. Starting two days before, I received about four emails. One email told me basically that you should bring food. 
and that stuff isn't really available in the airport if it's of concern to you. Another email told you that masks are required for the flight and that the average mask is only good for four hours. So you should have multiple masks with you for the flight. Unlike Virgin that's giving passengers masks, BA is not giving passengers masks. And then the other the other email was telling me all the lounges were closed. So I had a lot of information. Like I, I didn't feel like there was any surprise, you know, of what I was going to encounter. So I give BA credit for that because this is extreme, right? So there's no surprise. The number one question people asked is like, oh, can you bring alcohol on a plane? I'm like, well, there's no doobie free. So I'm like, unless you put minis in your, you know, obviously <laughs> going away for six days with hand baggage only, I need my toiletries. I need my toiletries. I can't like say, I'm not going to bring my toiletries and I'm going to put three bottles of Woodford in there. You know, I mean, that's you're not willing to trade toothpaste for whiskey. I'm disappointed, Michael. No, no, no. He's not, he's not, he's not you, Seth. (laughs) I I have gotten in arguments with security guards trying to take away my vodka before. But that was China. Stuff who knows. Anyway, sorry. Well, no, nothing to be sorry. <laughs> you know what? But I was doing this to have the actual experience of what it was, right? I mean, I could have brought the most amazing catered meal from home, but that wasn't, wasn't what I was aiming for here, right? Because this is sort of, you know, to use the word everybody uses, unprecedented times. So I wanted to experience the unprecedented, this, this crazy, you know, service on an 11-hour flight to Los Angeles, you know, just like that. And of course, I was flying. You know, my thought, you know, getting back to I didn't want to take the tube. I took a car. Michael, why did you fly to Los Angeles? Well, BA is currently not flying to Las Vegas. A, for demand, and B, Las Vegas is not one of the international airports that accepts, you know, people from overseas. So I chose to fly to Los Angeles because I could easily drive from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. All of the connections I looked at were not so great. And as far as I was concerned, I didn't want to risk, especially for opening day for Vegas, being on a crowded U.S. domestic flight. I thought that didn't make sense. <clears throat> I I knew – remember, I booked this ticket a week I booked this ticket a week out. So I, and the fares were very, very reasonable for economy and world, basically economy and world traveler. Plus the fares were super reasonable and club and club and first class people were smoking something really good when they came up with those prices. So what I can see BA is doing is they know economy and world traveler. Plus maybe they'll pick up a couple tickets. They're leaving the club and first prices sky high for, you know, the corporate guy or the person who has such a net worth where it's a rounding error. If they spend 9,000 on a ticket, you know, but it's it, it is basically split. It basically split that way. Do you, do you when you did this flight, were you um, planning to sleep the whole time? Like, what was your thoughts on the flight? Because I mean, they're not going to have a ton of service. They still had the movies, I guess. Um, but what was your what was your plan? Was it did the Wi Fi work? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. This my plan was this is going to be awesome because I'm on a new one of the newer seven eighty seven dash nines, which I hope has has Wi-Fi and I'm, I'm not drinking any alcohol and I have a ton of work to do and not many people are going to be on the Wi-Fi. This is going to be a great flight to get five hours of work. Guess what? <laughs> Wi-Fi didn't work. There was no Wi-Fi on this plane. <laughs> That's, and of course, even the flight attendant said, you'd figure, you know, out of all the planes that have Wi-Fi and all the planes we're using, that they would choose equipment that has the Wi-Fi. I says, one would figure. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay. So my plan changed when I got on the plane because my plan was to work and sleep. So I said, I was planning to sleep for a couple of hours. I believe I slept for over three hours. And then, you know what? I had the luxury of watching some movies, which I had not seen before. So it was awesome. I saw Bombshell, I think it was, and Joker. So it was it, it was great. I caught up on some movies I hadn't seen before. I got great sleep. So it worked out fine. And I disconnected. I disconnected from the world on an eerie flight. Uh, but so the boarding uh, – so I get to the, the gate area. The flight was – when I checked a few days before, it was booked to under 40. That's what it turned to be. I think there were 36 or 37 people on the plane, uh, passengers on the plane. So I – you know, boarding was was very late, like a half hour before. 
and they have a they have a procedure showing on their video where they would like you to come up, you know, lower your mask and hold up your passport, but you still have to sort of show your boarding pass and have them scan it. And it was no it, none of that, you know, none of that really freaks none of that really freaks me out. So the boarding process was very very easy. It seemed that you know obviously it's a lot of U.S. passports. I I did speak to it was very funny because there was one girl right before boarding, and I think she was talking to her mom, and she was a little bit chatty, and she's like, "Do you know if any of the stores are open?" I said they are, but they're in T five A. And she's, "Oh my god, I'm starving. I'm so hungry." So I had brought some extra snacks, you know, just like uh, pretzels and things like that. So I gave her some snacks, and she like, I thought she was gonna cry. She's like, "Thank you so much. I can't believe you're giving me some of your snacks." I'm like, "It's fine. It's all <laughs> you, you say that, Michael. But I used to do the London, and I know it's stupid and whatever. But that London flight, there was a period where they stopped serving the second meal. And even though it's only like a six and a half or seven hour flight, I get hungry by the end of that. Like, especially if I was always flying in uh, World Traveler, World Traveler Plus, so economy or premium economy, the first meal wasn't very filling to begin with. I would, it wasn't even that I wanted like good food. I just needed calories by the end of the flight. Like I was, my stomach was grumbling and it's usually because I was connecting. So I had woken up, you know, at like 3 a.m. by, in, by you know, in my brain or somewhere else on continental Europe and was connecting through and had very little breakfast by that point anyways. But it's still... I think you're underselling the impact of the limited food service. Okay, I, I I will give you the the whole story on the on the food service. I am I am probably I'm probably underselling that, but I but I also believe that it has to do with your eating habits. I'm one of those probably more unhealthy people that eats more in the evening, you know, has a bigger dinner and a light lunch and a very light breakfast. So I'm sort of used to going without food for that big midpoint of the day. So I think some of that depends. I think some of that's sort of a personal thing. Yeah, fair. I, I mean, I usually don't eat breakfast, but I usually have a hearty lunch and then snack through the rest of the afternoon. So I guess that's, it, I feel like on the US bound flights out of the UK, like at that point, I mean, my heavy snacking mode. And so when BA didn't have those meals, they literally, they had one where like they came through and the second meal was Halloween sized candy bars. And I tried to to take two and I got smacked down by the flight attendant. Yeah. She said, no, you can only have one. If you take two, I won't have enough for everybody else. So I, and I was dumbfounded. I was in such shock that she got away with it. But um, But anyway, it's, it's interesting, you know, and, and obviously that pendulum swung back and they'd moved back to having something closer to a real meal for the second the second service. But it's, it's interesting to me. I sort of understand the idea of like trying to reduce interaction between the passenger and the flight attendant for everybody's safety. But also, there's got to be something more to it in terms of why they made that decision, I feel like, to oh, cut the service oh. so much. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, honestly, and I don't usually say things without a doubt. It's it's bogus. for uh, British Airways is saying everything is for your safety. It's bogus because you could do a single tray with a nice cold meal or something, which would have the same amount of contact as what they served. So let's talk. Let's talk. So I got on a, so I got on a plane. No problem. World Traveler Plus had five people in. So I had empty rows in front of me, empty rows behind me, empty seat next to me, empty everywhere, tons of overhead bins. And I, you know, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was, it was really, really empty and economy. I mean, the pictures I took of economy basically look like the pictures you would take if you boarded the plane before anybody boarded and wanted to take some pictures of the cabin before passengers got on. That's what it looked like (laughs) because that was that it was that empty. I think though, as a percentage wise, you know, a lot, there were a decent number of people. I mean, not decent, you know, we only had 36 people on the flight in club and there was only one person in first class. Now, the, the thing that's, that's so strange about the meal service is it's the same meal service for all classes of service. Hmm. That, but what gets stranger is a couple of things are really strange, which make no sense at all. So it's got to be cost cutting or something bizarre. Okay. The, the no alcohol, it, that doesn't really make a lot of sense because they actually gave, uh, they gave with the meal service, a bottle of uh, a nice British still water. So they're giving bottles of water so they could easily give splits of wine. You know, there's no, it, there's, it, there's no logic to that kind of stuff. Also, we're talking interaction here. So the, the, the choices were four different juices, water, 
tea, and I think that was it. There's no coffee, so it was tea, water, four different juices, and no, nothing, nothing else to drink. I will give the cabin crew credit; they came through with glasses and water and orange juice, probably at least seven or eight times. So if we're ta- if we're truly talking on a purely contactless basis, the cabin crew is walking through the cabin with those trays with drinks many times during the flight. So if BA is trying to say we're not serving alcohol and we're not serving a more elaborate meal because we want it. I mean, the flight attendant sort of said it's it's the handling of food in the galley, but I still think things could have been pre-trade. It's something doesn't something doesn't line up exactly. So the meal I they gave me uh, they gave me an orange juice and uh, sparkling water, and I got a bunch of these chive pretzel things. And at that point, and, and at that point, I actually said I was really pretty hungry, so they brought me a couple extra of the of the pretzels. And I also had one of my other snacks with me, some more pretzels. The meal service co- consisted, and I have great pictures of this because it's hysterical, of uh, some milky bars. Uh, another little chocolate kind of street treat, some biscuits and a sandwich, but you're going to, you'll never guess what the sandwich is. And I don't even know. I I've never had this weird of a sandwich in my entire life. <laughs> I, I saw your Facebook post. So I think I know, but it was a pickle and cheese sandwich, pickle and cheese. One option, pickle and cheese. I just, I, I mean, I don't know who comes up with this. I mean, uh, who comes? I mean, it must be a British thing, maybe. But it was a, it, it was a pickle and cheese sandwich. And as far as I know, it's the same for all classes of service. The club you still. Think, you don't think business class gets upgraded to like double pickle plus olives or something? To make it even no, more disgusting, that it could be, it could be, and also at this time they handed out the uh, U.S. health form. Okay. Can you can you imagine dropping six or seven k for a business class or first class seat and getting a pickle and cheese sandwich? <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I feel like it, they looked at Lufthansa's uh, the half sandwich that you get uh, in economy on Lufthansa sort of European flights, and we're like, oh, we can do something shittier than that. <laughs> I mean, I like pickles and I like cheese, uh, but that's not a sandwich. <laughs> I'm not picky about the pickles I like, so yeah, that, that, that's just bizarre. So, are you are you familiar with the United States Traveler Health Declaration form, uh, Declaration form, uh, which which is uh, expires on the 30th of September 2020, and this is the revised May 27th version. Oh. I have not heard of this. So you have a United States Health tra- Traveler Health Declaration. Providing the following information to the Centers of Disease Control Prevention is required under Title 42 of Code of the Federal Regulations, blah, 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 and is collected as part of public health response to coronavirus disease 2019, otherwise known as COVID-19 pandemic. The information will be used by U.S. public health authorities and other international, federal, state, or local agencies for public health purposes. Each traveler coming from a country for which the United States has applied entry restrictions due to COVID-19. COVID-19 needs to fill out a form. Arrival airport, they ask you. In the past 14 days, have you been to any of the countries or geographic regions listed on the bottom of this form? That was a yes. The UK was on that list. If you want to know all the countries, I'm happy to tell you. Family name, where you're arriving, flight number, seat number, your US destination, address or hotel name, email address, US telephone number, whether it's a mobile. And then they ask on that form, today or in the past 24 hours, have you had any of the following symptoms? Fever, 100.4 or 38C, felt feverish or had chills, new or worsening persistent cough or continuing cough, (laughs) new or worsening difficulty breathing. So there's just three questions and that's it. And then there's a dot, dot, dot questions for the screener. They have a place where they could put in your temperature that they can measure. And then they have a place where it says, does the traveler, because you hand this form and they sort of interview you, does the traveler have visible signs of cough or shortness of breath or being obviously unwell? And then they have a released or referred for public health assessment. And the countries listed are the ones you would expect, Brazil, Iran, uh, Ireland, People's Republic of China, excluding Hong Kong and Macau, uh, Schengen, Schengen area, and the United Kingdom. Those are the countries that are, you know, the ones where you need to, where you need to do the form. And so that is a part you have to, you have to have that form ready when you land at LAX. Interesting. And so you collect that as part of the immigration process? Ah, so this is very interesting. So, so I told you about the. Uh, we'll we'll go to that. I'll keep it going in order. So, I I had my my pickle and cheese sandwich. I took my nap, which was really nice with lots of extra blankets and pillows, and it was it was comfy. Uh, no problem getting in any of the laboratories. Really, really convenient. <laughs> <laughs> Labs are very. Oh, and the wearing the mask for the entire flight sucks. 
I mean, it's not it's not enjoyable. I I would lift it up every once in a while. I will tell you honestly, on a flight that's this empty on a seven eighty seven with its really good filtration system, I don't think it's necessary to keep the mask on the whole time. But obviously, they need a rule that you need to wear that you need to wear masks based on a flight which has a normal density of people. I'm sort of sticking with I follow the rules that I'm told to follow, and BA said you have to wear your mask for your fight, so I wore the mask for the flight. Makes sense. Uh, and I and, and it's not a bad thing. Also, I'm trying to understand what it's like to travel in a mask. You know, I'm trying to get all of this. You know, I, I'm just I'm trying to get through this experience and figure out like how bad or how good is it. They brought me, you know, they had a couple of, I told you they had the passes of, uh, they had water and, and orange juice. And I asked for extra sparkling water. That was never a problem. I did speak to one of the flight attendants. She told me this was the first regularly scheduled flight she's flown in a while. She was only flying cargo, you know, where they put the cargo in the passenger seats. (laughs) And she says, that's weird flying those flights. And she said she flew some repatriation flights and those were packed to the gills. Hmm. Uh, then we did have a second meal service, which amazingly, and I didn't really mention this very much, is better than a first meal. <laughs> well, it wasn't a pickle and cheese sandwich, I assume, then. No, it was a little box from Orchard Barn, cheese, broccoli, and leek lattice pastry. It's one of those pastries that they heat up in a box, and they heated it up! <laughs> and you know what? Okay, That sounds like the normal second service. So, and, and a Kit Kat bar. Yeah. And, a bo- and a bottle of water. But but they heated it up. And actually, I, I think maybe at this point, you're right. I was probably hungry. And I was like, this tastes really good. And I said to the flight attendant, ooh, that was really nice. And he said, I think I might have some extra. Would you like another one? And he went and got me another one. So I got two of those. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like the normal second meal service for a U.S. bound flight. Like it's a weird, I mean, it, whether it's this lattice pastry thing or like a pizza roll or something like that. That's what I would expect on BA. So for what yeah. it's worth. Yeah, so that was that was cool. So that was good. They made an announcement, you know, leaving the plane that we were going to they were going to let us off the plane in groups of 5. And and they were going to let us off the group, groups of 5 and everyone sort of kept distanced in the aisle. So it was very it was very civilized. But once again, of course it's civilized when you have so few people. I was in like I don't know. So obviously first and club went first. So I don't know, maybe it was like a 10 minute wait. All right. I mean, it's not horrible, but again, only 40 people. Yes. And I think I overheard one of the flight attendants say, yeah, this was a disaster with a flight with, you know, 200 people. Because remember, five at a time with 200 people, do the math. I mean, that's uh, why do they do that? Because you are going to be met by CDC people at the end of the jetway. So at the end of the jetway, and they tell you, have your health forms ready, have your passports out, and you're going to be met at the end. And at the end, there's one person there with one of those big hood masks on who basically like stops you and says, wait, and everyone sort of stay distance in, you know, in the jetway. And then basically, there are three people interviewing you. Then when it was my turn, I went up to the gentleman, you know, I'm wearing my mask, of course, he took the form from me, he he asked me one question. And that was, have you just been in the UK? Have you been anywhere else in the last two weeks? I said, no, I've just been in the UK. He said, thank you very much. And they never took my temperature or anything like that. They just took the form. So I guess I looked like I was okay. And I filled the form out fine. They didn't say anything. I know so many people have asked me about this. People, a lot of people were trying to scare me and tell me that I was going to be forced to quarantine in Los Angeles and I'd never be able to get to Las Vegas. And I said, I don't think there's any mechanism to force people to quarantine in Los Angeles that way. I'm sort of a transit passenger. And it was no problem at all. Then I went up the escalator and you're met by another person standing there. And he gives you about a five minute speech that you have been traveling. That means that there's more of a chance that maybe you've come into contact with COVID-19. You should be aware of that. You should consider isolating and quarantining. Here's a little brochure on that. Please show this brochure to the immigration people when you are exiting the airport so they know you have received it. I was like, okay, great. Then I carried on global entry kiosks. Amazingly enough, uh, it seemed like the vast majority of the people from the flight were at a global entry kiosk, which probably makes sense because they're probably people who do travel quite a bit. I went to the global entry kiosk and you're going to love this, Seth. I got the best picture on my global entry and I did it with my mask on purpose just to be a smart aleck. I'm actually impressed because, I mean, it's the is it the new one that it's just the picture only? No, it's the fingerprint. It's the fingerprint. Okay. So it's the fingerprint, and there's the best global entry receipt, which I always give you credit for, Seth, because you always do the global entry credit. But it has me with the big mask on my face. I'm like, I want this to save as like a as a memento of flying during these times. So, so I got my global entry receipt. I 
they did not collect the receipt right after global entry. They collected it at immigration. I know lately they've been collecting them earlier. Then I basically walked through baggage claim. I had hand baggage only, and then I and then I exited. And upon exiting, you know, show also showing that I had the form, and I handed him my global entry receipt. He's like, you know, you're going to have to pull down your mask, and you know, I'm going to have to look at your picture and a passport to see who it is, because that could be anyone on that global entry picture. <laughs> <laughs> which I knew I did on purpose. Like, I, I just, I did it on purpose. Just, I don't know. I don't know if it's called being funny. I just thought it was, I I, it, I don't know. Is that like bad, bad immigration humor? No, I don't mind poking the barrel a little bit when it comes, especially at this point, that, that sort of thing to like tease the immigration officers. Like, yeah, you, 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 of course, you know, this is what it is, but you told me I had to wear my mask. So here I am. Like I, I could see playing that game a little bit. Yeah. And I did it. Someone asked me and I said, you know, seriously, it doesn't say on the global entry machine, take your mask off for the picture. Right. You're supposed to wear the mask in the airport. It doesn't say to take your mask off. I mean, I'll say I believe it doesn't say maybe maybe it does. And I missed it. But, you know, and of course, obviously, having a mask on in a picture is not particularly helpful. But I I just did it for a little bit of fun. And then I went outside LAX. I, you know, obviously, it's empty. There's nobody around. I went to the car rental area. There were some people waiting for the car rental buses. I took a Avis bus with a few people to Avis. And I had to wait a moment or two. There were a few people. And I got my nice Dodge Charger with Hemi upgrade, and I was on my way. Driving fast to Vegas. <laughs> well, guess what? The traffic is back in LA. Oh. Because I it, excruciating traffic until I get we get got to I-15 North. It was it was painful. So I I just had to bear it. But once I got, you know, once I got, I guess it's I-15 to Vegas, that was great. You know, that was beautiful. And honestly, this is the first time. I ever got to see that whole arrival view when the sun's going down and it's getting dark and the Vegas strip is in the, you know, and you're approaching it. So that was sort of cool. Now I wanted to get this video edited and online right away. And my business partner does that. And he was going on a, on a trip and I needed to get the video. And I was a little stressed. Regularly arriving in Vegas is pretty seamless at Caesar's palace because I pull in on the Augustus tower area. I valet park. I pull my, they pull my bags out. I go to the VIP check-in and everything is cool. Well, guess what? There is no more valet parking in anywhere in Las Vegas. Sort of makes sense. So valet parking has been discontinued. Well, I hate to sound like an idiot, but I don't drive that much anymore. And I'm like, oh, self-parking. Where is even the self-parking? <laughs> um, you should like leave the car and you're like, someone will come pick it up eventually, right? I don't know. <laughs> so I found that. So I had to go back onto the strip around and out. And I'm, of course, frustrated because I'm in a rush. And I got to the I got to the parking. I got to the parking garage. And of course, you realize a Vegas parking garage is always situated for the furthest point where your possible hotel tower or check-in is because it just has to be that way. So it's actually situated, the parking lot is situated very convenient for one part of the casino, but that's about it. So I parked the car, I, you know, I got going, you know, as quickly as I could. And I got into Caesars on on, on the casino floor, I'm wearing my I'm wearing my mask pretty much so the whole time, because I feel that maybe this is what I want to do. And what's the comfortable thing to do, I got to the main check in area. And what's what you know, well, what you notice right away in the casino is the uh, contactless antibacterial stuff is all over the place. The other thing you notice is all the signs before you can check in, you have to do a temperature check. So basically, they temperature checks for anyone checking in. I was in the main lobby. It looked like there were probably 20 people checking in, 25. At that point, remember, it's 8 o'clock at night. It is still the first day, but I'm guessing it's a lot of drive-in traffic, so a lot of people probably got there earlier. I asked them if the VIP check-in was still open. They said, yes, sir, it is, which is great because it's near my hotel tower. I went down the hall, and I went, and I actually happened to know the layout of Caesars, so this is pretty good. I went to the VIP, but before they would let me in the VIP check-in room, they did my temperature. You know, they did my temperature check. Temperature check was fine. They let me into the VIP check-in room. I Basically, there was one person in front of me. I got their antibacterial stuff on the counter. The woman starts to say something like, we are going to try to do the we, – we are trying to do everything contactless now. This is another – thing. I don't understand how it's contactless if I still have to hand you my credit card. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's a little odd to me. Uh, and and this is another one of these things where there's so much inconsistency. One of the things that you regularly get is, uh, especially as Diamond is seven star, is a couple of bottles of water. I think people used to joke about that with Hyatt, you know, the, the Diamond water or the Globalist water. So I said to her, oh, can I get a couple of bottles of water? No, we're contactless now. We can't give you bottles of water. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you could touch my credit card. You took you took my driver's license. You took my seven star card. You took my credit card. You then handed them back to me, but can't do that. So then we went through a little bit of I had reserve. They they I'm were sorry, having before you, before you go off of that topic. If the, do they have the they didn't have an option for the machine on the other side of the counter? Is that only for the because you went to the premium check in lane, whatever the room? I feel like casinos lately when I've gone or hotels even lately when I've gone to check in have had the reader on top of the desk more. Yeah, this they usually they usually do. This one did. This one didn't in VIP. The thing that's tricky now is they're trying to do. They were trying to do a lot of the kiosk check in, but the whole thing with the temperature check now is making that complicated. Yeah. So I don't know because they they have to sort of clear you. Ooh, an interesting thing now <clears throat> for check in and VIP is this happened with a friend of mine. If you have a guest with you, only you can go into the VIP area to check in. I have to take your ID with and me. The, to and the guest has to wait outside? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, okay. I'm not really sure why. So she reminded me of a couple of things, which I I, I think I sort of was getting the information I was, I was coming. She's like, you know, there we've had a couple of changes to our service in the hotel. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And remember, mind you, I'm here for six nights uh, on, a, on a comp stay which worked out really, that's a casino loyalty thing. But uh, basically I'm like, fine. She's like, there's no more housekeeping. I said, what do you mean? She's like, we don't do housekeeping anymore until you check out for your safety. I was like, okay. But she's like, but we can, we'll give you extra towels if you need. And I was like, well, that's nice. I'm like, okay, so now I'm going to be in a hotel room for six days without, without a, without housekeeping, which I, I think is, is interesting. Also, you know, I'm in a smoking I'm in a premium smoking room. I like my cigars and stuff like that. It's nice to have housekeeping. It's nice to have ashtrays emptied and things like that. But no, that's not the case anymore. So you I was just like, expected to like take them out and dump them in the ashtray by the elevators. What I, well, what I currently do is I take my little bag from Starbucks and I put my trash in it and I bring my trash out every day. That's yeah. the new. That's you know because I don't. I don't want to have all this trash building building up here. She, the other thing she told me, well, first they were looking. I don't, you know, the casino operations are so interesting. So she's like, I think she's like, we've got a smoking suite in Octavius, which is uh, which is handicapped. I'm like, okay, but I'm like, it's a really a full suite. She goes, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, you could do that. She's like, well, I got to call a host for that. And I was like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to, I need to, I need to get going. I'm like, what's the other room that you have? She's like, well, the other room I have is a corner room, and it and it has two beds. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. You know, that's that's good. But she's like, uh, but you know, it's it's all the way down the hallway. I'm like, well, yeah, you told me it's going to be a corner room. So probably all the way down the hall. She's like, so it's a long walk there. I said, yes. And she goes, you know, once you go up to the room, we can't change your room. And I'm like, yeah, because she goes, you know, all the rooms are sealed. So you can't come back here and tell me that you didn't like that room and you want another room because that's going to be a real problem. I'm like, okay. I said, it's, it, it, it's, it's a smoking room, right? And it's, it's, I'm like, okay, I'm set, we're fine. I said, I'm feeling rather confident unless it's missing a toilet that I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, <laughs> that I'm going to be cool with this room. So I was like, okay. She says, we also have some other changes. We also have no room service. Interesting. And I'm like, I'm like, you mean like they don't leave the room service outside your door? And she goes, no, we have no room service. We're, we, we have no room service currently. I was like, okay. I was, I was almost at this point. Is there like anything else that you want to tell me? That sounds like a good reason to not have to walk all the way down to the hall, or at least you get to burn extra calories when you get a snack every time. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, okay. I'm like, wow, this is, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, usually I, I do love like getting, you know, coffee in the morning and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, no, no room service. I can, I can deal with that. And then of course I asked her the number one question. I said, are the VIP lounges open? And she goes, no, none of the VIP lounges are open. I go, great. There go, there go all my great free drinks without gambling. So that's not operating either. So I was, I was like, fine. So I, I went through all of that. She she got me checked into the room. She gave me a QR code thing, which will keep me up to date on what's open and not open in in the hotel. And I pretty much thought I was on my way. The elevator bank area has more antibacterial stuff. And the elevators have little circles in the corner. So four people to an elevator. And they're telling you four, just, just four people to an elevator. And... They must be at – they're supposed to only be at about 50% capacity and my, my pulse of it is it's probably pretty accurate because I, I have yet to have an elevator with more than two people with me in it and most of the time I'm in an elevator alone. Are, there, are, there, are they standard-sized elevators? 
Because it seems, yeah. I mean, it seems like four people even in an elevator is a little tight. Well, I think because there, because think about, look at a square and put a circle in each corner of the square and do like six feet, six feet, six feet, six feet. Six feet you know, I don't. I think that's that's what they're sort of doing. You know, yeah, I mean, it's not probably not a full six, but it's the best you're going to do. So, yeah. and those, those elevators, I feel like, I mean, I don't know that there's such a thing as a standard elevator size, but I feel like Vegas elevators are generally bigger than not, just because the hotels typically hold so many people. Yeah. So I, I get up to my I, I get up to my room and the door has a seal on it, which says it's like sealed, like for your protection. Like it's been cleaned and it's been sealed. So you break the seal as you enter the room. So that's fine. So you know the room's been clean. Basically it's supposed to be telling you the room's been clean and no one else has been in the room. All right. So that's good, I guess. Uh, uh, is this like room- is this like when they put the little paper wrap around the toilet telling you that they wiped the bowl down and no one's popped a squat since? I mean, is it at the same level of motivation and excitement we're supposed to feel exactly and i was joking about that a couple weeks before mark Meltzer and i he does a lot of writing for travels or we were saying they should put something around like they used to do on the toilets you know and lo and behold they actually did we called that before it happened which they so of course i get into the room uh i I get into the i get into the room it's a really large this room's about probably about it's this is a standard corner room it's somewhere it's somewhere between 550 and 600 square feet so it's a very large room uh there were of course in in the smoking and it's part okay so here's the weird part it's one of those part of a lockout so i come down the hall there's two there's big double doors i go through those double doors and there's a suite on one side and then my my room on the other side so i've got the double doors to deal with, which is fine. And then I, I come in uh, the room and of course the smoking room is missing, missing ashtrays because you know, why would you put ashtrays in a smoking room? That it wouldn't <laughs> make. Uh, So I then try to call for customer service and I, and I get somebody who tells me, you know, things are complicated now because they're working from home. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, so I, I just called down to do that and they've transferred me to someone who's working from home who's now going to then transfer me back to another housekeeping department that sends me to somebody else that's working from home to request the ashtrays. This is all seeming rather complicated to me. So in typical Vegas style, especially because Caesars is extremely bureaucratic that way, I just decided to go right downstairs to the VIP check-in room and ask them to send me some ashtrays. They, they told me that they would have to leave the ashtrays outside the room or I'd have to be in the room or something. They're telling me there's a lot of stuff. So like they can't, they, they say for your protection, they can't leave the towels outside your room. So you need to be in your room for your towels. I was like, you need to, you need to be in the room to get towels and extra amenities. Okay. Well, but, lo and behold. Yeah. But they're trying to reduce the contact. I don't understand. Why not just leave them and let me take them. I could just come out and get them when I'm ready. Right. Okay, fine. Like they're they're requiring the person to have interaction with you, rather, right? I mean, or do they just drop them outside, but know that you're there to collect them? No, the guy when he delivered all that stuff came in, and they deliver when they finally did deliver me towels after the first. They delivered me like the world of everything: toilet paper, towels, tissues, uh, shaving cream, <laughs> every. So I got I. They actually did really come through on all the amenities. But what was weird about the ashtrays? I went out to do my walk around video. I come back to the room. And the ashtrays have been delivered and placed in the room. <laughs> so, so the ashtrays, so they were able to come in a room without me here, even though they're not supposed to come in a room for housekeeping to deliver the ashtrays. And then the towels can't be left outside the room and the guy has to bring them to you. It's just, I, I, I honestly think nobody's really exactly sure what, what they want to do yet. Like they, they just haven't really figured it out. So, I mean, on that note, I mean, have, do you, have you talked to anybody that's staying anywhere else in Vegas right now? And like what it's, what it's, what the differences are at these other locations? I have not. I mean, I've I've watched a lot of the media. You have to realize that or not realize, you know, so, you know, if you look at the strip, if you take Caesars Entertainment and MGM, that's that's most of it. That's like 70 percent of the Vegas strip. And then you've got, you know, Venetian Palazzo and Win Las Vegas. The other thing I should say, not all the properties are open. So it's sort of interesting, you know, mm. on the strip. So Caesars Entertainment opened with Caesars Palace and Flamingo. And then on Friday, they opened Harris. MGM opened with Bellagio, uh, MGM, and New York, New York. So that's a lot of hotels closed. You know, Paris is yeah. closed, Bally's is closed, Aria is closed. I mean, there's. Also interesting that they're doing a good mix of sort of high, medium, low price points slash quality levels. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, it, it makes sense that they they have to do that for a number of you know a number of reasons. Like, I was not. If you ask me to guess, uh, 
I would have guessed Bellagio. I would have definitely guessed Caesars. We happened to guess that we thought they were going to do Flamingo and not do the Link or Harris. It was interesting. I think they realized they brought Harris on the the next day, so that was interesting. Now Caesars is a company known for 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 bureaucracy and cost cutting. So the the experience at Caesars is, you know, the room hard product is fine, uh, even though it's a little bit inconsistent somewhat, but it's not it's not really a luxury property. To someone who's never stayed at a luxury property, perhaps perhaps they'll think it's a luxury property, but it's really uh what I would call a solid four-star, you know, a solid four-star property. Yeah, but it's a hell of an upgrade from Luxor or New York, New York. Yeah. I mean, the thing that's tough in Vegas, you know, the thing that's always tough in Vegas is once they renovate the rooms, usually it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Like a renovated room in a property like Flamingo or Or Link. Yeah. Yeah. Is okay. And, and let's, here's the, you know, look at room prices in Vegas. A room price in Vegas will often be at the price level of a Fairfield Inn or a courtyard in another in another area or a Holiday Inn Express. So if people are used to stay – I mean, it, it does vary with weekends and stuff. But just sticking on this theme, if the type of hotel you regularly stay at or you're a tourist and the type of hotel you regularly stay at is like a Holiday Inn Express, a courtyard, or a Fairfield Inn, you're going to think a renovated room in a place like Flamingo or Harrah's is really pretty chic because it really is – it is a step. It's definitely a step up from that. So I think a lot of it has to do with what you're truly used to. Now, the true luxury properties on the Strip are are Win Win Las Vegas and Venetian Palazzo are you know hands down you know probably your most Win definitely I would I would say pretty much so Win and Cosmopolitan for sure is 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 very very up there as far as luxury the Four Seasons which I guess isn't open because Mandalay Bay is not open and you know there are there are pockets of it and and Bellagio though Bellagio you know has changed over the years but I would still consider that pretty you know definitely a, a step above things like Caesars. What's sort of interesting, though, is Caesars was commanding room rates that were quite similar to Win. So Caesars gets Caesars does really well because of their name. Quite frankly, people want to stay at Caesars, but I would never stay at Caesars if I could get Win if I was paying for it. And Win Las Vegas was the same price, and I believe Win Las Vegas will be the gold standard of of how to operate a hotel facility during these times. Do you think? Do you think the um, room kind of the way that they are doing uh, refilling of your restocking of your your amenities and things is it is it effective? I mean, how how hard was it to just call down and get that stuff delivered? I mean, you said you called and you got a service center that said they're working off site. Um, do you think that's pretty typical now that that other other places are doing the same thing? Yeah, I mean the the, the phone. I mean, I guess does it matter that they're off site other than the fact that they you got transferred to the wrong place? Yeah, I well, I wound up having to call three times. Now, when I finally got to the bottom of it, and I went down to the I went down to the desk again to ask for it. They then told me, "Well, you have to be in the room to receive the amenities." I said, "Well, nobody said that, so mm. they might have tried to deliver it." You see, there's always there's always this confusion. Now, you have to understand also. If I was, I'm I'm a guy who uses marketing offers, and I don't really want to have obligations of play casino play at Caesars. If I was really dialed in with a host at Caesars the experience would be a little bit different. Also, Caesars does have another level of service for their, you know, for their top gamblers. And I will, you know, I will say like this morning, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a butler walking to Octavius Tower, which is the newest tower over here with a room service cart with coffee and some other things on it. Hmm. So they are doing room service someone <laughs> they're just not they're just not doing room service for everyone uh, there were some other changes which are really tough in the status level like one of the perks that they give you when you have status at caesar's property is cut the line at starbucks they have discontinued all of the cut the line at the restaurants at starbucks so like cafe americano which is the coffee shop place there'll be a line of 20 people and if you're diamond or seven star you get to cut to the front of the line they've discontinued all of that because they claim because of distancing and staffing and all of that, that they, they can't allow any VIP cutting the line. So that's a huge perk downgrade. You've lost your lounges and now you don't have that great thing when it's late at night and you want to grab a bite before going to bed and there's a line of 20 people to get into the cafe and you know you can go right to the front of that line to sit down. So that's sort of sad. And, and Starbucks too. I mean, that's a great feature when there's a line of 10 people at Starbucks in the morning and you can cut the line. So you're 
probably it's logical that they did it, but it's it's I, I don't know how that's going to play out in the Bet, better. You know, is that a bigger or smaller cut than not getting than only getting a pickle and cheese sandwich on a BA flight? All right. I mean, it, <laughs> in some ways, it seems like, you know, if you want to travel and do this stuff, you can. And there are options and you know things are open, but not really open, open. Right. It, there's a lot of limitations. So, right. You can, I, I read somewhere. I think someone was saying I was Don Gilbertson from yesterday was saying all the restaurants are reservations only like the sit down restaurants because they want to yeah. control capacity. Well, capacity is 50% in all the fine dining restaurants. I will tell you, I went with uh, John Decker to ho- uh, Old Homestead Steakhouse. Think about it this way. It's at 50% capacity. Think how nice and quiet the restaurants are. You know, nope. And you don't have someone right on top of you. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. I've said to somebody recently, it seems a little bit more like private Vegas, uh, especially at the gaming table. So I don't, you know, very, very quickly, uh, only what they've done for social distancing is there are only three people at a blackjack table, at a craps table. There were only six people at a craps table. There would regularly be 12 people at a craps table. So that's that's really, really interesting. But the economics of it are extremely complicated for the casino because obviously you can't accommodate as many players. Your labor costs are going way up because you have fewer players at a table. You potentially have to open more tables. Also, also all the rules with regard to masks – are very inconsistent. You do not need to wear a mask at Caesars except for table games. That is the only requirement. If you were at the table games, you need to wear a mask. If you go up to a table game and you do not have a mask, they have a pair of tongs and they pick up a mask with the tongs and they hand you a mask. But that is an absolute requirement. Otherwise, there is no requirement for wearing uh, for wearing masks. But you're constantly stepping back and pulling down your mask to drink alcoholic beverages and to smoke. So that's a little odd. So Caesars is allowing smoking and you basically – you're supposed to step – in theory, you're supposed to step back six feet. That's impossible from the table to step back six feet to have your drink. So it is a little bit disconcerting to constantly be pulling down your mask, t- stepping back and drinking and going back during an active craps game. They also sanitize the dice, sanitize the stick, sanitize the area, have sanitizing stuff there. It really slows down the game because they're constantly cleaning. Do they sanitize the dice between shooters or just like more frequently? Between shooters and when the dice go off the table. Fair. Okay. I mean, when you're doing cash in, chips out, things like that, are the dealers wearing gloves or does it, I mean, it it almost doesn't matter because they're just moving the germs around, I guess, but for their protection or how is that? Is that just normal? The dealers, the dealers are wearing Caesars masks. There are no gloves. The thing that's inconsistent here is the dice are so clean you could probably lick them, but it's not. <laughs> it's not like they're clean. But they're not cleaning the chips that go back and forth all over the table, right? So, right. like supposedly they, they clean the chips sometimes. They clean them all before opening, and they put the, a special coating on them that made it. So a little bit of that is inconsistent. I'm going to tell you my favorite story though, which uh, which is just the weirdest of the times. I don't know how much you know about dice or playing dice, but when somebody hits a number and a guy's next to you, and also now you have a lot of space, there are only three people, you know, you sort of want to high five people and you get in a game and this really nice guy Jacob's next to me playing and he's starting to hit some points and we're making some money. And all of a sudden I go, yes. And I go to high five him. And he goes to high five me and we pull our hands back. <laughs> we don't know what to do. And then we said, wait, and then we high-fived each other and we grabbed the sanitation stuff. We sanitized our hands. So we had a procedure. We would, every time every time we would high-five, we would then put the antibacterial stuff on. So we worked it We worked it out. But it was like – it's like you go in a motion to do something. You regularly go like, yes. And you're like, no. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Does, now, go ahead, sir. No, I was just saying. So obviously the craps tables, they don't have the like plastic shields also for the players. I think I saw pictures of those for Blackjack. Uh, no, no, no. They have it at craps. Here's the deal. Pretty much so. No, the deal, the deal with it is, is Caesars Entertainment is going the mask direction. MGM is going the plastic shields, plastic shields and no masks, masks and no plastic shields. How many times have you had your temperature taken in the like three days you've been in Las Vegas? Rough guess. Just uh, when I entered the VIP room and I think one other time when I entered the the VIP check-in room, that was it. Have you been in and out of the building? Or you've stayed inside. Yeah, yeah. I think only the people, the only properties that are like thermal scanning when you enter are like the posh properties like Win Las Vegas. They do not temperature check when you enter Caesar Palace. Hmm. And it's it's strange. I mean, it is they are very they are being very strict with trying to get people not to linger around the tables. It's somewhat work it's somewhat working. There was an altercation my first night, and you always live for the altercations, right? 
so the <laughs> craps table was full. We're in the middle of a big role. I don't know how much you know about craps, but when people see something happening, they want to get in on a game. A guy basically goes up to the table, goes to throw his money down like you regularly would. And they're like, sir, the table is full. He's like, no, there's a spot here. Sir, the table is full. I've got $10,000 right here and I want in on this role, sir. The table is full. It went back and forth a little bit and they called security. So there are some people who just, you know, you've been playing a game all your life. And if there's a spot on the table, you're used to going to the spot on the table. And some people get a little frustrated by that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, now remember, craps is an anomaly. Blackjack's easy because what did they do? They removed the chairs. You just have three chairs at Blackjack. So you can't come up and sit down. So you're not going to be able to play. You know, you're not going to be able to play. You don't think they're spaced. Yeah. Now, slot machines are social distanced. Uh, Just I'll give you the simplest version of it. Pretend there were four slot machines. In a row, like four in a row, they they turn off the two in the center. The two, they turn off the two, and the two on the ends are are open. So you never have someone sitting next to you when you're at a slot machine. It's nice. So they basic and they now they will turn on a machine next to you if it's like a spouse or a partner or something. So basically, there's never anybody there's never anybody next to you at a slot machine. So wait, you can call an attendant over and say, "This is my whatever. We're traveling together. Please turn this one on." Yes, and depending on the properties, you know, there's like you, locked middle seats. But if, if they're on your same PNR, you can sit together. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so there isn't. I haven't seen what happens with hand pays yet. That when you hit a jackpot and they have to come over and pay you. Oh, the best sign I took a picture of was the one at the cage, which says, "We will ask you sometimes to pull down your mask for identification and security purposes." <laughs> so, <laughs> which which makes which makes sense. Uh, I find it very. What's the hardest part of gambling with the mask? Not not only the drinking and the smoking part, the it muffles your sound. And craps is a is a verbal game. Like you say, give me a thirty dollar six, give me a thirty dollar eight. I want you know, give me give me all the hard ways for a nickel and that kind of stuff. And obviously, you have to speak louder. I don't have a problem with that, but some of the <laughs> but some of the slightly older gentlemen next to me, they're like, sir, you got to repeat your bets, sir. And they just don't, you know, it's 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 painful to watch sometimes from a comp hustling perspective. In quotation marks, you get rage on time for a game the Mm. game is being slowed down 25 percent with all the cleaning Mm. Uh, so you are getting more bang for your i was gonna say that's gotta be good for your rating right good for your rating but here's the problem it can get frustrating when a game gets slowed down the problem with craps is craps is a game of momentum it's just the way people feel about it when someone's on a good roll they want the dice to continue going and they want them to keep rolling they don't want it to be slowed down but you know i mean i don't it doesn't it doesn't change the math of it They're i was gonna dice. say can we talk about what craps is actually a game of which is statistics and math? <laughs> I, yes but you know this is you're dealing with uh you're dealing with you're dealing with gamblers so yeah. i it's I uh it's interesting. I mean, it's it, it's definitely interesting. I, I don't know what to say. Is this safe? Is this not safe? Is it, you know, is it that much more dangerous standing at a craps table than being in a supermarket or being, I don't know. I mean, all the employees remember are COVID-19 tested, right? That's, oh, that's the other problem they're having with uh, employees. They they needed to open more tables and they, they couldn't just call people in because when they call them off a of furlough, they have to go through HR. They have to have their COVID-19 tests that has to clear and not that that takes a long time but it's another step in the process and then they can come back to work mm. what um i mean what do you think about like flying back how's that going to work is it yeah, are you quarantined when you get home i am quarantined when i come I get home i knew that was going to be the case and i i accepted i accepted that and i will do it you know I mean, and to that, be fair, you've basically been self-quarantining anyways right you haven't left your house other than this like in three months I mean, more or less. some walking the dog and I've, I've gone to the wine store twice and I've gone to pick something up at the pharmacy like twice right, and that's so. it. <laughs> we get our, we, we get our groceries delivered, but remember the UK, if you read the official UK site on the quarantine, it's like, you are not to leave your house unless you absolutely do to go shop, you know, like unless you don't <laughs> live with someone, you have to go shopping. You're not to take, pu- you shouldn't, you, we strongly urge you not to take public transportation from the airport unless you have to take public transportation from the airport. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, so I'm fine. I accept, I totally, I totally accept the, the quarantine. I mean, I knew that was going to be part of it. And the only way for me to avoid that would be to go home like tomorrow, to, would be to cut the trip short and I'd be going home tomorrow instead of Wednesday. And it doesn't really, it doesn't doesn't really make sense to to do that. So I'm I'm Is that si- is that simply because of the amount of time that you'd spent in the US? No, it's because they're not starting the quarantine yet. 
Oh, I got you. The UK is bizarrely starting its quarantine as it starts to reopen things rather than quarantine. So like everybody who's been arriving the last month or whatever, while they've sort of been shut down, hasn't had to quarantine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, yeah. oh, and, and the UK yeah. government has done a bang up job of figuring out the most bizarre ways to implement everything around this. Yeah. And this, and by the way, so my flight was empty and I asked the flight attendant, she said it, the flight was very full back from LAX to Heathrow. And that makes sense because people are trying to get back before quarantine. Although if, they're, if no one's really enforcing the quarantine, it could just be people like trying to get home. So. Well, there is a, they can enforce it. Okay, the fine, if you don't tell them, if you don't fill out the form about quarantining and give them your location, it's a hundred pound fine. It's very strange. And then the fine is a thousand pounds if they spot check, they say, and they can, I mean. Are they allowed to spot check you if you don't fill out the form in the first place? Could you just pay the hundred and be done? It's you know the gamer in me, right? This is how how we play these things. It's it's a very it's crazy, but like I said, I'm a. You know what the funny thing is? I'm I I believe in following the rules that you're supposed to follow. The problem is the only thing that drives me crazy is the inconsistency of the rules that you're supposed to follow. Mm. I think so. uh, I mean, I think we've seen that in the U.S. a little bit too. It's like uh, we're not we're not mandated we're not required to wear masks in most places, but restaurants and stuff or, you know, places where you're going to get pick up food, they're making it mandatory to wear a mask to come in. So while there's no rule that you have to wear a mask, if you want to go into some of these places to pick up stuff, you have to wear a mask. Um, so it's just kind of, it's weird. And then some places don't care. So uh, it, it makes going to do things. Uh, I just wear the mask <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a little bit of grief from some people in the UK saying, well, the FCO, you know, the foreign office, you know, says that there's only, suppo- there's not suppo- you're not supposed to do any non-essential travel. But, you know, I look at this like I, I'm a Vegas content guy and I do a lot of that. And I've been doing tons of like, this is like my third interview and I have other stuff that I'm doing. And this is a big part of like the business ventures that I work on. And quite frankly, I've never worked so hard in the last two days. I've been constantly working. I've got two more articles to publish and other things I'm working on. So I didn't really look at this as a boondoggle trip. I look at it really to, to cover it based on a lot of the content I was doing. I, uh, you know, I call it at least a 50% work trip. So I, I don't think, I think logically, I don't think I would have come to Las Vegas. You know, I don't think I would go anywhere if it wasn't something that was really heavily tied in with, with what I, with what I do. And if, you know, my family didn't approve, didn't approve of it. And, and quite honestly, the only thing that I won't do, you know, I'd love to see my father in New York, but I would never do that on the way home because I couldn't live with myself if I got him ill. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I will not do that. My wife was, you know, fine with this. Tra- she, she supports, you know, she supports it and all of that. If she hadn't supported it, I wouldn't have done it. And of course, the crazy thing is once I got over all this COVID stuff and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. This is fine. Remember, I booked a week. Then all the riots start, right? And I'm like, oh my goodness now. I mean, like now, and then, now I'm worried about the Now I'm worried about the riot stuff and I'm like, can't even figure that out. But I decided, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, like I'm going to get out of LAX and get to Vegas and I don't think I'm going to be stuck somewhere in some riot or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, fascinating stuff. Makes me wonder, you know, when this is when I should travel. <laughs> uh, uh, I, mean, I have I no. I wasn't going to go to Vegas anyways. Um, so in that sense, you know, not a, not a real game changer for me. But at the same time, just hearing some of like the experience and what just the inconsistencies with how hotels and facilities and whatever restaurants, all that stuff, all the inconsistencies with how they're treating this. I don't feel like it's something that's going to be motivating to me, compelling to me. I mean, mm. that's going to be really hard. We were talking about, we talked about this on the flight radar podcast, you know, what, what would make you comfortable getting back on a plane? And I somewhat joked that when, you know, one of the other guys, when I was, I'd be comfortable when I no longer felt that the kids, uh, the guy behind me, two-year-old baby was going to make me mad. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's more, I, I think the mask thing is a really interesting one. And Mike, I'm, I'm be real interesting to talk to you next week after you get home. Are you going to wear it when you sleep on the red eye on the overnight? I wore it when I slept on the way down and yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to do an obvious upgrade cause it's only, it's only 20, it's only 20 pounds, you know, extra taxes. That's why I did. I really did world traveler plus so I could do the upgrade to club on the way home. And there was space, but I have to get it processed. I hope there's still a space because I wanted the live flat because yeah. it does make a di- It does with the, with the bedding and everything that does make a difference. And it's a nice flight from, uh, from, from LAX. You know, I don't, this whole, 
this whole travel thing is tough to tell. Like I, 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 I told you my frustrations of some people were like, well, why didn't you fly on American? They're still, they still have meal service and business class and this. I'm like, cause I don't think Americans flying to LAX and I need to get to Vegas and I don't want to extend my trip further and not even the cost consequences. I'm like, I need to get where I'm going. I flew on this flight because this was the most logical and easiest way to get to Las Vegas. That was the main. And also I'm a British Airways guy. You know, I've got the British Airways Facebook group and stuff like that. I I really, I really would prefer, you know, prefer to see that. But I think, I think honestly, some people are going through mourning and what I call they're going through mourning, not so much for the travel part, but the obsession with the lounges and the premium service and that kind of stuff. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's not going to be the same for for quite a while. So I guess travel is going to have to become more about getting from point A to B and about getting to where you're going and traveling than, you know, all of this other passenger experience stuff. I don't know if that's good or bad, but, you know, this stuff is not going to normalize for quite a while. And we had one other trip planned on July 1st, but the flights were, I, I predicted pretty much so that they were going to be canceled. So we've given up that trip. Uh, I wanted to do it because it was a really cool line. Basically, they they moved the uh, Mykonos flight. Uh, so it was LHR to, what is that, JMK and Greece. We knew Greece. We were pretty sure that Greece was going to allow travelers. And I got a great award at a favorite property in Greece. And I thought it would be really cool to fly from Heathrow to Mykonos. But alas, the flight got canceled and started to get too complicated. And we just decided, you know what? <laughs> It's fine. We're happy in the UK. We're just not going to try to do anything else. And we've decided not to do our US trip in August. And we're we're just sort of we're just sort of chilling. And we're going to do some UK stuff. But uh, I mean, probably similar to what you were saying the other day, Seth. Right? That you're going to do New Hampshire stuff or around there. It's just not. It's just almost not worth the trouble and the constant rebookings and cancellations. And it just it, it's it's fine. You know, we're we're going to probably wait it out a little. Yeah. I'm bummed I won't get to see you in August. Um, but other than that, I certainly understand. Yeah, I, it's just, uh, you know, part of the August trip was coinciding with my daughter going to university. We have no idea if, you know, her university is going to start in September, or if they're going to delay the start optionally or for everybody until, you know, until the until the winter semester. And then we just decided that it's just, we just don't want to spend all, it just, it, everything was just getting too complicated. So we just decided that my wife will just take her to university if they, she does start and she'll just make it a short trip and that's what we'll do. And that's fine. You know, it's just, it's just the way it's got to be. We're going to, family will get together for Thanksgiving. And that was, that was all that stuff. You know, when you think about some of the things that impact you, you know, in some ways, losing some of the passenger experience and the other stuff will eventually get it back. But look at the kids graduating from high school this year. Mm-hmm. Think about when you graduated from high school. They're never going to get that back. They didn't get their graduation. My daughter didn't get her graduation from high school. She Her graduation was canceled, all that stuff. They did some stuff virtually. You know, and look at all the kids that miss proms and that kind of stuff. I mean, we'll eventually, right, get back our first class. We'll get back our lounges. But there's a lot of other stuff out there that people are never going to get back, which makes me a little sad for people. So in some ways, I say, you know what? It's, it's all going to work itself out. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a good note on which to say it's all, we're going to work this out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, like probably, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing. And you know what? Still being on that beautiful 787 and looking out the window and getting from London to Los Angeles in 11 hours is still an amazing thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, it is still a wonder it's still a wonderful thing and I'll and I'll always say what I've said all the time, economy and premium economy ain't so bad if it's not busy. <laughs> you know, if it's there aren't many people on the plane, it's a pretty darn good experience. Hey, the only time I don't like economy class is when there are a lot of people in economy class. Otherwise, I don't really mind economy class that much. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh well, Michael Traeger, thank you for for coming on the show sharing your experience uh traveling. Um Where can people find you on Twitter and Facebook? You can find me at Travelzork on Twitter. On Facebook, we have a Travelzork. It's a Zorkcast Travelzork group. It's really turning out to be a really good group. You can find us on YouTube at Travelzork. You can find us at Instagram on Travelzork. And there's also a contact form on Travelzork.com, which is the website. Going to have a lot of content over the next couple of days about a lot of this Vegas stuff. On YouTube, we're doing some interesting interviews and things on a like our podcast live video thing every couple 
couple weeks. So that might be of interest to people. We do. I try to mix up a little bit of the aviation and passenger experience stuff with the casino stuff, but it's been a little casino heavy lately and it probably will continue that way for a little while just because of all the stuff that's happening now. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you again. And, and to our listeners, if you have any questions, you can contact us on Twitter at dots lines, more dots, more lines.com. Uh, just leave a comment there or, or tweet us and or, or tweet Michael. Um, but until next time, happy travels. Take care. Thank you.